It's time to break the silence and open up the dialogue around the topics of miscarriage and baby loss. No more shame. No more taboo. Let's ditch it for the sake of our children. The ones who are, the ones who will come. And in memory of the ones who never came to be. This is the Worst Girl Gang Ever podcast. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Worst Girl Gang Ever. We are joined by the lovely Rachel Joyce from Balamina not ballerina (laughs) and we've all just done our northern irish impressions to get them out the way laura do you want to give it another go oh which one what do you want to hear whatever whatever comes to mind see you your ma's my fucking da (laughs) okay how was that marks out 10 rachel 10 what no (laughs) i was gonna go with an eight but uh, i'll take 10 Rachel, welcome. Oh, yeah, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome to the podcast. You've been a listener for a while and um, you wrote to us because you wanted to share your story. So here you are. We're very sorry that you're part of the gang. Um, hopefully your story can help some others. Um, start from the beginning. How did you become a member of the Worst Girl Gang ever? So we... Our first pregnancy, we fell pregnant in April of 2019. Um, It was standard pregnancy from what I thought. You had the morning sickness, the the growing pains, the tiredness. Um, But from sort of seven weeks, I started to spot in my pregnancy. Um, Being my first pregnancy, I didn't know if it was normal. I was constantly thinking, is this how a miscarriage starts? Um, so I went to the out of hours hospital um, just to get checked and had sat for ages and the next morning they basically said it's more than likely a miscarriage um, you're going to have to come back in a few days for a scan so those couple of days as I'm sure you guys know of waiting you just you, you can only think the worst so we went for an early pregnancy scan and we were told there was something there, but it was measuring smaller than what I should have been. So we had to wait another two weeks and come back um, for the viability scan. And we went back, which should have been our sort of nine weeks, three days gestation. And we had a heartbeat, um, but it was just measuring that wee bit smaller. So we had a couple more scans for injury. I was still bleeding. I was told it's not normal, but it's common. And, you know, just keep an eye on it. Um, but I was so sick with, you know, that morning sickness just went into the night. I couldn't eat, couldn't get food down. And we sort of thought, let's just tell people, you know, we've got over that 12 weeks more, you know, this is the safe point. Um, and we, we put a wee pregnancy announcement on Facebook and that night I started to cramp and by the next morning the baby had come out um, which I was mesmerised by because I didn't know that my miscarriage could be. I didn't know a, a, an actual baby could come out. So I think we had got to about 13 weeks but he was a bit smaller but obviously had happened after a scan and before the next one. So yeah, we had to had to get our heads around that for a good while. Um and we didn't try again for a while. 
Um, and then January of 2020, I had fallen pregnant. And then it was a very early miscarriage. I think we were about five and a half weeks when we had miscarried in February. And it, it was it was a lot more, I think it was easier to take because at, once it happened, you kind of just expect it to happen again. You nearly, you hope for the best, but you understand that the worst could happen. So we gave ourselves some time to heal and then found out we were pregnant again in January 2022, um, which we found out in the most bizarre way because I thought my period had started on the Monday and then the Wednesday I took really, really sick and work and actually had to go out to my car and just lie down because the pains were really quite strange. I could only describe the pain as being very one-sided, like a, a stabbing-type pulsating pain. Um, and then me and my husband, we just, Wednesday night was always our grocery night. So we had went to Tesco's and I thought, oh, I'm okay now. And then the further we got round, I thought, oh, I really don't feel good. So um, the pain was quite intense to the point where I was leaning over the trolley. And I don't know what, what in my mind I thought, I need to take a pregnancy test because I thought I was on my period. Um, but I did, and it came up positive straight away. And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. That, that's just growing pains. That's implantation. It's all, it's all good. It's okay. Um, and then the pain sort of subsided for a few days. I uh, went back to work. I, I didn't tell them I was pregnant because I think by date, we were only about six weeks, and I haven't been in that job that long. Um and then that was on the Wednesday that the pain had happened and then it subsided. And then the Sunday evening I could see the pain again starting. But again, it wasn't it wasn't pain where a miscarriage pain would be. It was more in my thighs. Um so I, I still wasn't worried. Um and then the next morning we were getting ready to go to work and I I just went to the floor in pain. And I said to my husband, I can't go to work, I'm going to have to go to the hospital. Um, still didn't think it was a miscarriage. I just thought maybe it was like a cyst or something that had burst. Um, so I, I phoned the hospital because I really didn't want to sit in A&E all day um, just because I could not get comfortable. So I phoned the hospital and I didn't hear back until the next morning. Um, that night before... I went to sit on the bed and I felt the most intense shoulder pain. And I actually thought I was having a heart attack and I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to worry people. And I had never heard of an ectopic pregnancy before. I didn't know what it was. Um, and I, the, the hospital finally phoned me back and I went through all my symptoms. I said, I'm bleeding. I'm in agony. I, I just don't feel well. I feel very dizzy, faint, have diarrhea. And then I mentioned the shoulder pain. And she said, well, you know, with the shoulder pain, it can be a sign of an ectopic pregnancy. So what we'll do is, this is on the, the Tuesday, we'll get you in on Friday and take your bloods and scan you. And I said, is there any way we could maybe 
get in a wee bit sooner just because I really don't I don't feel good and I'm not a pushy person when it comes to hospital so she says well listen come in tomorrow we will take your HCG levels and we'll scan you and then we'll repeat that on the Friday so we went in the next morning and I am the biggest fan of the NHS I think they're amazing but the, the nurse that was dealing with me just didn't take it seriously in my mind um, so she took the blood and she came back and says yes you're, you're still pregnant I'm not going to scan you today because we're not going to see anything and I said Look, could you please could you just scan me because I've, I've been this far on before I know if there's something there we'll see it it's just for my own peace of mind and she kind of shrugged it off and said you're not going to see anything but we'll scan you if you want so they they propped me up and scanned me and did a did a wee bit of fishing and she actually said to me at one point she said do you have a tilted womb and I said not not that I've ever been told no and she, she basically said I just I can't find it like oh my god has it fallen out like you know you're just in that in that minute you're just like all the all the worst things in the world could happen so she went and got another sister in and the sister came in and scanned me and there was a lot of hemming and hawing and pointing to the screen and yeah, looks like it. And nobody said anything. And my husband was just watching on and, you know, obviously they don't know what they're, you know, what we're supposed to be seeing on the screen. But I just said, is there something wrong? And she said, there's a bit of fluid in the abdomen that we would be a wee bit concerned about. Um, we're not too sure if it's in the womb or, you know, we just, we would need a second opinion because we don't have a consultant here. So I said, is the baby okay? And they said, again, we would need you to speak to the consultant. So um, nobody had mentioned ectopic pregnancy in this appointment. Um, but then they sort of sat me down and there was a lot of hustling and bustling and I just said can someone tell me what's happening and the sister sat me down and said we think there's blood in your womb we can't say yes we can't say no but I would rather not send you home and send you up to another hospital for the consultant and gynae to have a look at you just to make sure that we're not sending you home and something bad happens so it's it all seemed like a bit of an emergency after that. There were people rushing in and they were putting cannulas in my arm and telling me that an ambulance was going to take me up to another hospital. And I was getting quite panicked. And in the meantime, I was asking my husband to phone my mum and give her an update, which was then panicking her. So, yeah, they took me up to the other hospital, which is a great hospital, um, to see the consultant there. And the ambulance had taken me to the emergency department. So they had triaged me there and scanned me externally. And he said, actually, I don't, I don't know that it is blood in the womb, but you know, we're, we're probably going to do an internal scan again anyway, just to be on the safe side. So then the next thing was, have you ever had a blood transfusion before? As if it had been a conversation that I had had. And I said, no, I, I don't even know what blood type I am. Then they had put another cannula in my other arm just in case I needed a blood transfusion. And at this point, I think I was in shock, so I didn't realise 
the severity of it, you know, because the pain has subsided at this point. And I, I nearly thought, God, you're really overreacting here. Like, I feel okay. You know, it's just, you know, just tell me what it is. So then the consultant um, took me up and did an internal scan. And she showed me the scan and she showed me where the blood was in my womb. And she said that what I had was a ruptured ectopic pregnancy. Um, she thought it looked like it was on my right side, but she couldn't be sure. Um, they would have to take me into theatre, um, which would be like a keyhole procedure. Um, but if it, if it looked like it was a lot worse, then it would have to be sort of the the C-section wound to get a good look. So again, ectopic pregnancy, I, I didn't 100% understand it. And I did say, you know, what is the baby going to be okay? Uh, and they said, you know, this, this is not going to be a viable pregnancy for you, but you're really very sick. And if we don't get you into theatre, you will die. And I was like, God, I really feel like you're overreacting. You know, this isn't, this isn't, I don't feel like I'm dying. I don't feel like I'm bleeding that much. I had past blood. So they, they took me into theatre and yes, my right tube had ruptured and I had to have it removed. Um, and I think they took a biopsy of my ovary, but I never heard anything back from that. Um, so I obviously had to stay in hospital for a few days because it was that laparotomy wound. Um, and I mean, the, the hospital staff were just amazing. So after that, we did have lots of follow-up tests to see, you know, is there a reason we can't carry naturally? because this is our third loss, but they didn't really class it as a third loss because it wasn't a viable pregnancy, but they still do all the tests anyway. And it's so sad that you have to lose so many before they will look into it. But um, what they did find with me was that I was um, severely, um, uh, what's the word? Uh can't remember the word, but it was very, very low in vitamin D. And they also find that I had like an autoimmune disorder called antiphospholipid syndrome, which is like a blood clotting disorder, um, which really seems to only affect you whenever you're pregnant. So the plan was, you know, start on aspirin daily, um, get a loaded dose of vitamin D, take all your folic acid, they give me a loaded dose of that, and then once you feel like it, try again. So they didn't really give me much, you know, to go on, whether it was going to be a, an okay journey to have or not. So we were married in April, and we thought, let's, let's start trying, you know, um, once, because I was starting a new job, I was like, let's, you know, see where the wind takes us. And then if nothing happens, we'll, we'll start trying. So taking all the things that I should have been taking, they did advise me if I fell pregnant, then I was to use the Clexian injections daily. And they gave me progesterone pessaries to use twice a day until 16 weeks gestation. So. We got married in April and then found out we were pregnant at the end of May, um, just 2023 there. And um, again, 
felt great you know we're okay we're married now you know this is this is our time we're gonna this is gonna be us we've had enough shit happen um so the i think we'd, we'd find out we were pregnant maybe about a week and then the bleeding sort of started oh god here we go again but they did kind of tell me that was going to be my my normality because i had the blood clotting disorder and i was on the blood thinners anyway so I was taking the clexane, the progesterone, aspirin, folic acid, everything, doing everything by the book. And I phoned the hospital because they had advised me once you hit that sort of seven week, come in for an early pregnancy scan, we'll make sure everything's okay. So I had phoned them to arrange that. And I, I just mentioned that it was spotting. And she said, you know, just with your history, let's get you in. Can you come in tomorrow morning? So went in the next morning and it was the same consultant that had actually, you know, effectively saved my life. So it was really, really nice to see her because she knew what I had been through. And she says, right, you know what to do, pop up, we'll get you scanned. And it, it was so bizarre because they were scanning and I was like, why is there nothing there? Um, and she said, like, I can't find a pregnancy um she she looked behind she says and i can't see an ectopic so the warriorship we wanted to come and tell you a little bit about it didn't we bex and in case you're already going why we don't want to know about a fucking ship the warriorship is our online membership for warriors in this community it's packed full of stuff so we just want to tell you about some of the stuff all of the content from all of the courses that we ever run is in the warriorship so there's loads to get your teeth into and we are also developing modules for what happens after but not only that we've also got a ton of educational workshops running once a month in the coming months we have got body positivity workshop gratitude workshop and loads 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 more and on top of that we also have a resident mental health specialist and on top of that if if that wasn't enough there's 13 events every month and there's stuff popping up all the time as well that other people are organizing that you can be a part of so it really is thriving and all you have to do is head to the link in our bio or visit our website and you can be a part of this too we'd love to see you there she says so what this is is it's called pul so it's pregnancy of unknown location which was another what what the hell is that you know they're just making these things up now and i had never heard of it and it's very common um and they just don't know why it happens so they took my blood to see what my hdg levels were and they were quite low they were one five six so they kind of gave me a wee bit of hope because they said you know you're not going to see anything at that level anyway it would be too small so come back in 48 hours unless you feel ill go to a but come straight here bypass all the other hospitals and just come straight here and this hospital is like an hour drive away from me but they they are, are excellent with guiding so i thought you know fair enough so then the next day i went to work and got into quite a bit of pain bleeding passing cough um and I said, I'm going to have to go to hospital. They took me up to A&E and they took my HCG levels again. I said, look, there was mention of 
pregnancy of unknown location. They couldn't rule out ectopic, but they couldn't find the pregnancy. Um, so they took the blood again, and they, the blood came in at 146. So they said, look, at this point, we know it's not going to be an ongoing pregnancy, but we would hope for a spike tomorrow. So come back tomorrow. Again, if you feel ill, come back in. We went the next morning and I seen another consultant and the bloods had went back up to 164. And I was like, oh, that's, that's, that's good, you know, and she said, it's not, it's not a high enough spike for this to be an ongoing pregnancy. But what we need to do is we need to find the pregnancy. And with your history, we wouldn't be happy sending you home. So I said, right, okay. So then they admitted me, that was on the Thursday. And I was just there for monitoring, you know, they took bloods every 48 hours, um, blood pressure, you know, they took all my vitals and I just got some rest. And then on the Tuesday morning, I was due to have another scan anyway, and I started to miscarry. Uh, but I, 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 I just felt really sick and faint. And they came right and they said, are you okay to walk? And it was just the wee around, it was fine. I said, I feel really, really sick. So they got me up and started to scan me. And there was a lot of, yes, that looks like it. So they said that basically my body was trying to miscarry, but the pregnancy tissue was stuck in the neck of the womb, which was sending me into cervical shock, which made me feel so sick. Um, And they said, we're going to need you to be really brave here, Rachel. So they basically, they pulled the light down and the nurse held my hand and rubbed my head and said, you just need to breathe through this. What they're going to do is they're going to remove the tissue and you're going to feel much better and it'll all be over. So I think that was probably the worst part for me. Uh, it was quite distressing because I was awake and just thought of the the reality of it like this is my baby and this is this is how I'm losing it so I did feel much better after that and they did say the bleeding's going to stop um and you're going to feel a good bit better but you're still going to have to come back and get your HCG blood taken just to make sure everything is still going in the right direction so I was just like, can I go home now? You know, so I just want to go home to my dogs and I'd get into my own bed. And they said, yes, but you're going to have to come back in 48 hours just for us to repeat those blood. So I went back. The bleeding was still happening. I was still in pain, very low down. Um, pain had sort of, not stabbing pain, but like cramping had started on my left side. Um, just... <sighs> Just wee niggly things that made me think, oh, there's, there's still something there, but the scans weren't showing anything. So went back to the blood. They had decreased to 116. So I thought that was good, but they said, well, actually, no, we would expect them to drop a lot lower than that, having the procedure that you've had. So come back again in 48 hours. And I went back, and they were back up to 156. And I said, well, this is this is where we started, you know, I thought it was all over. And there was mention of potentially being another pregnancy, uh, which was referred to as a heterotopic pregnancy, um, basically, which is 
one baby implant intrauterine and the other is ectopic, uh, which I've now found that only a one in 30,000 chance of that happening. So I kind of thought, you know, what are the chances? <laughs> um, and then I had to keep going back. The bloods were staying static. Nothing was happening. I still felt in pain. I was still bleeding. One of the scans showed that there was the blood trap between my bladder, my bile, and my uterus, which meant if you needed to go to the toilet, then you were going to be in pain, but it was just everything working its way out. So then the following Friday, that went on for 10 days, and we weren't really getting anywhere. And they took my bloods and sent me home. And then the same consultant that I had seen at the start phoned, and she's like, how are you? And I said, oh, I'm okay, I'm just fed up. I just don't feel great. I'll be glad when this is all over. And she said, look, Rachel, your bloods are back up to 164. We have to treat this, but there's an ectopic there. Um, and we're, we're going to have to find it. And I said, I just, I don't want to have more surgery because I knew if I had surgery, it, it would double the chance of probably not having a successful pregnancy in the future. So we agreed to do the methotrexate. So by the time I got there, the pharmacy had closed and they gave me the methotrexate the next morning which completely floored me I I, I felt like I was dying basically but I thought well that's good because at least it's working and it's awful that you're wishing that to happen but this wasn't going anywhere and the, the longer you're in hospital the more you get those sympathetic looks and how are you you know and you just want a bit of normality so they took my blood and they told me they would do that day four and seven. And if we were down, then everything was going the way it should go. And at this point, we still didn't know where the ectopic baby was. But we felt it was on my left side because in scan, it was too sore to look. And I, I could feel the key in there. So day seven, the, the blood had risen again. And and they said, we're going to have to do another course of methotrexate. Um, and if that doesn't work, then we are going to have to consider surgery. So they gave me the message actually again on the Saturday. Um, so this has been going on from the 6th of June. We were now on the 1st of July getting the second course of uh, message update. And I said, I feel a bit more positive that this is going to work because the bleeding was sort of subsiding. I wasn't in pain. But they still wouldn't let me home for the fear that I could still rupture because apparently you can still rupture at those levels. So the methotrexate did work. Um, we got lower results on the Tuesday, which was the 4th of July, and they were down to 17. So then you're battling with that guilt. <laughs> you know, well, I wanted this, but then it's like, oh, God. I was lost two babies and it was just what what were the chances you know so we did have some follow-ups at the hospital um just to see where where to go from here because there was mention from you have various doctors and consultants all telling me different things um and they kept telling me I was a bit of a conundrum when I was in so um, one had said, you know, you're, you're probably going to have to go for IVF. This isn't going to happen naturally. And then in the next breath, it was, you know, 
you can't have IVF because you will almost definitely have an ectopic pregnancy again. So it was like, well, which, which one do we go for? So my latest appointment was in August. And she said, you know, come October, start trying again. Just make sure you're taking all your vitamins and just do the same thing that you've been doing. But it's okay to saying, you know, start trying again. But I think you have to be realistic, you know. You have to really set yourself up for this could happen. And when are you going to be ready for that? Um, and yeah, so we're still no further on but um, I think that the most recent one was the hardest because it was so exhausting mentally and emotionally and physically you just weren't getting anywhere and nobody tells you about those deaths and I was just so lucky that I had a hospital that cared because the time before the nurse didn't really you know if I hadn't have pushed for that um you don't have to have shoulder pain to have an ectopic, which I didn't know, you know, that's only if you're ruptured. But that can happen, you know, so it's, it's very much about that is a symptom, but that's not the that's not the telltale if you've got an ectopic pregnancy and it is so life threatening. And that's my story. Rachel, you've been through <clears throat> so, so, so much. Um, I, I I'm absolutely astounded by that the the ectopic pregnancy, the second one <clears throat> that you talked about. Excuse me, I cannot believe how appallingly that was all managed. Mm. Honestly, yeah. you don't even have to be a health professional to as you know. As you were telling us the story, I was like, "That's an ectopic. Oh, it's ruptured." And yeah. still, you're you're there in front of a health professional, and that and you're telling them these things, and yeah. it's not being taken seriously. You know, mm -hmm. even uh, going to get the the blood test and them saying they're not going to scan you. But mm -hmm. I mean, anyone would know that that's that that's a life threatening situation yeah. to be in. It's and it's appalling that that you had to be the one to to battle in that in that situation. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it was just something in the back of my head saying, you know, they, they told me they were going to scan me and she'd already mentioned that the shoulder pain could be an ectopic pregnancy. So why not? You know, what harm is it going to do? Um, but yeah, she, she just didn't seem to care, which I have to say, everybody else was amazing. But that one staff member could have sent me home. And I, I could have died, and I'll never forget that. She also doesn't That's seem so to have, have the knowledge that she should have. Uh, so she's why is she why is she doing that job? Yeah. She's got no empathy. She's got no compassion, and she hasn't got a clue what she's doing. It's just yeah. terrible. I hope that um, that what you experienced is a is a rarity, and that there aren't other people going through these sort of situations the the EPU that that I've always been under and actually I'm working at now the ectopics are there are so many ectopic pregnancies that come through the door I didn't did not realize how many people 
ectopics are on the rise. They must be. And pregnancies of unknown locations. I did a shift the other day and there were four in one shift. And people have never heard of this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's taken so seriously um, that I can't believe your experience sounds like it happened in the bloody 1980s. You know, that shouldn't be happening these days. It's It yeah. feels like that there's a protocol that needs to be followed. Like, I know that we know so much about this topic now because we've immersed ourselves in it for the last three years, right? But I'm sure, like, even before that, if someone said, I'm pregnant and I'm getting severe pain in one side, I'd be like, you might want to check that's not ectopic. Yeah. Then add in the shock nurse. Then add in the diarrhea. They're all they're all symptoms. Yeah. But, did you um, Google it at any time, Rachel? I did Google it. Um whenever she had mentioned about the shoulder pain because I, I honestly I just thought I was having a heart attack not that I just thought I was having a heart yeah. attack but not once did I think it was anything to do with the pregnancy and then whenever she had said about that topic I had googled it and I said oh yeah kind of sounds like it and my mum in the background had already been googling it but didn't want to say anything to me so there was no surprise from my family side, but with me, I just, I just kept thinking, you know, if, if I hadn't have said anything, you know, if I hadn't have even mentioned the shoulder pain, then it would have been on me. But the fact that I did, and that still didn't ring alarm bells, I mean, they were going to leave me until the Friday, and that was just the Tuesday. I would have been dead by then. So, yeah. So yeah, yeah these are questions scary. that you should be asking you. You shouldn't be having to volunteer this information. Yeah. They're the health professionals and they should be giving you a proper um, examination. But like you yeah. said, Rachel, the um, the shoulders hip pain. I've had two ectopic pregnancies also and um, I've never had shoulder hip pain. In fact, I've never even had pain. Um, my only symptoms, um, my first one that required the tube removal um, are... I just had a bit of spotting, but obviously I was a bit of a dab hand at losing pregnancies at that point and um, just didn't think much of it. Uh, it was only when they scanned me that they were like, oh, it's not in not in the uterus. Let's have a look at the tubes. And they found it. And my second one, um, yeah, was just spotting, no pain. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you put your hands in these um you put yourself in in the hands of these these health professionals and um, you trust them you don't know any different do you no. they should be the ones that are that are yeah examining you properly and asking the right questions yeah yeah oh mate what a horrendous experience yeah it was it it, it didn't really hit me until after whenever everything had happened and you've a lot of time to think then and I thought, my God, if I hadn't have asked for that, if, if she'd have sent me home, you know, and, you know, my husband and my mum had both said, you know, you need to complain about that staff member. And I thought, no, because that was that was just one thing. But I will let the staff know that that happened. So mm. I, I did let them know. I, did, I said, I don't want to make a complaint, but I need you to know that this happened and I don't want to see that woman again. And they they did say that they had learnt from that. So there obviously had been a conversation in the background. Um, so then they don't take any emergency, um, you know, if you're bleeding or anything, early pregnancy sounds fine, but they don't take any bleeding or anything. Then you just go up to the other hospital. 
Okay. So I think there must have been a conversation at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Deary me. And that last loss that you went through, I think <clears throat> the the long drawn out experiences are really, really difficult. And people underestimate that. They think, you know, that you just, you, you, you go and you have your miscarriage or you have your operation and, and that's it. But having to go back every 48 hours or every two weeks in some cases to see if the pregnancy is progressing is mm -hmm. like real torture. And yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's really difficult because they do give you some warning and say, look, we're not sure if this is going to be progressing or, you know, that kind of thing. But there's always that tiny, tiny little bit of hope that yeah. you never know it might all turn around. And especially with your numbers going up and down all over the place, you must have been thinking, oh, it's gone up. You know, what if it's what if it's just that they couldn't see yeah. it? Now they're going to find it and it'll all be OK. I know. I know it is. It is a form of torture. Um, and no matter how many times I said this isn't going to be a progressive pregnancy, the numbers rise and you did kind of think that it could be a miracle. You know, it, it could be a miracle. Strange things have happened. You've, yeah, you've exactly. something you met mums that has said that, that it's, it's worked for someone before and, yeah. that, you know, everything turned around. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Not even. <laughs> so, how are you feeling? How are you feeling now? I physically feel much better. Mentally, you know, we have had the discussion, do we try again? We're not there yet, um, but I feel better for talking about it. I, I couldn't keep anything in. I have to tell people about it. I have to raise awareness about it, mm. and I just want people to know because my my babies did exist. You know, whether they made it to the world or not, they mattered, and they were mm. very much wanted and loved. And it, it's not just, you know... <laughs> I was ignorant to it. I thought, you know, it's either have a baby or have a miscarriage. I didn't know about any of the complications that could arise. I had never heard of molar pregnancies, nothing. So it is very much if you can save a life, you know, by by sharing your story and give people the courage to say, no, actually, that doesn't sound right. I would prefer it if you would do a wee bit more for me, then that's great. Because there are some people that are afraid as you say, you put yourself in the hands of the healthcare profession and you rely on them to make a decision and just know and they don't. Yeah, well, majority of them do. But if you get an experience like yours where you run into someone who completely lets you down, it's hard to not to lose your faith, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But everybody else is amazing. You know, those doctors, those consultants, they work tirelessly they were amazing they did everything they could for me you know they they wouldn't let me go home you know and nobody wants to have you know the bed filled and they they looked after me really really well um so I, I cannot fault them for that they're with their weight in gold but it was just that one person could have, could have really let me down yeah. mm. so you're taking some time out at the moment Taking some time out at the minute, just focusing on work and who knows what the new year will bring. Um, I think the risk of knowing that we could have another ectopic because the scar tissue is there is a bit off-putting. Um, I just need to mentally be 
ready for that part again. Um, but I haven't lost hope, not yet. Oh, Rachel, what a what a journey. Um, I hope the new year brings you joy and hope everything goes really well, whatever you decide to do. And peace as well. That's, you know, that emotionally and, and physically and mentally, that must be such an incredible thing. Incredible. Such a, a difficult thing to, you know, you've been through such an incredible amount that it takes its toll, doesn't it? So, yeah. yeah, just make sure you're being kind to yourself and doing all the things. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us and keep in touch, won't you? Yes, I will. Thank you very much for having me and thank you for what you both do. You know, I was given your book when I was in hospital, which has led me here. So I, I can't thank you enough for that. Oh, that's great. I'm so pleased that we've been able to help you when you needed it. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, take care of yourself. Have a lovely Christmas. So this this is coming out like in the new year. So they're all going to be thinking, what? Lovely Christmas. <laughs> um, yeah. Have a lovely break and um, hope all goes well next year. Thank you. Oh, you sure. take care of yourself as well. Great. Thank care. you. Bye. Take care. Bye. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.